button will go live. That hasn't changed. Uh, Some hi. things never change. Some things never change. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, this has already been a really eventful morning. Uh, Kennedy and I did a video talking about showcase videos uh, and some of the work we did with Detroit Action over the year. But now I, we can just hang out and talk uh, and, and talk to the people. Uh, there's lots of good news to share. Uh, how has your last week or so been? We made our big triumphant return for New Year's. And then uh, things got a little out of hand. Yeah, it wasn't so triumphant <laughs> after that. Whenever um, you get too triumphant, the universe is like, not too much happiness. Not you got to keep that in a certain lane there, buddy. No, no, no. <laughs> How's it been? Um, well, uh, Not Safe for Wonks is back. That's right. Uh, people thought we wouldn't do it. We thought we wouldn't do it. But we're back. We've made a couple of episodes. Uh, this is the third new episode in the revival, something like that. Yeah. And uh, we're we're not going anywhere. Brandon and I are just going to be making content all year again, like the old days. The old days um, are back. Uh, uh, so that part's awesome. The not so awesome part is that my partner got pneumonia and was in the hospital for five days. And then I got sick. And so um, the beginning of this year was a little bit uh, dicey. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it it's always sucks when somebody in your household gets sick because you're like, all right, start the clock. You're going to get a sympathy illness almost right away. Um, I'm glad that, that the pneumonia was not contagious or anything like that. But uh, you still you got to spend some time just pooping. Uh, that, <laughs> just shitting your, shit your guts out for a couple of days and, and and technically you're not completely out of the woods yet but you're gonna get there i just have that feeling that your digestive yeah. system uh your notorious digestive system will just bounce back <laughs> that's right um so uh what's going on in the news this week well uh there's a lot going on uh the thing that stands out to me is actually a, an albuquerque story which is just about this public transportation. Uh, because, you know, I live in Atlanta and I've been doing a lot of going back and forth. Uh, if you live locally, uh, you know, the Little Five Points Community Center uh, is the home of WRFG. Uh, Asia Arnold has a show there uh, from Mainline, among other people. Uh, I've also got a show at that same building uh, with the folks at Mix Deity, and we've been. Uh, like beta testing a new show there and it's super fancy it's got cameras it's got lights it's got action and you know when i'm going and coming back i'm taking the bus and it's like it's five bucks it's 250 to go it's 250 to go back and mm -hmm. uh, although it is true that if you've ever ridden marta there's this one simple trick that's just a great hack, which is the MARTA buses don't work. They never work. So when you get in with the, the your all digital pass, in Atlanta, we have a Breeze card, uh, and it, it's technically a physical pass, but you know you probably know that there's a, a thing. You've got a scan, uh, and it just never works. And they're always just like, eh, just get on the bus. Don't worry about it. Uh, but in Albuquerque, this is an official system. You get to just get on the bus. Uh, this is great development. And of course, for any great development, 
people want to get rid of it. I mean, <laughs> just anything that, boy, this hasn't been thoroughly monetized. How can this be solved? Um, yeah, let me just uh, let me just give a little bit of the background and everything here. So um, uh, during COVID, uh, Albuquerque piloted a free bus program. Uh, this was something that had been under discussion for a little while. And then the pandemic just really encouraged the idea of like, let's give this a shot while everyone's messed up. Everything's messed up. Society's collapsing. You know? what, were the, what were the bus rates before the pandemic? So they varied a little. Um, they uh, basically there's like the regular city bus, and that's like usually a couple bucks, maybe like three bucks, four bucks, depending on where you're going. Yeah, you guys have uh, a system where the prices change depending on how far you're going. Yeah, used. To, I mean, it used to anyway. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so uh, used to be that the price would change based on where you're going, which is always just confusing as hell. You know, you're looking at a map and it's like, how many zones are you traveling through or some shit? <laughs> you're like, can't tell because the map doesn't make any sense, you know. And so some of the buses had uh, a complex pricing and then the rapid ride had a more straightforward pricing. But that one was not super cheap to ride. And that was the one of the best buses to get on because it doesn't make a ton of stops. And so it'll take you like whole blocks at a time which is really great if you're trying to like rapidly get somewhere thus the name so part of this comes down to um when they were putting in the newest buses that we have in the city the albuquerque rapid transit buses which are different because they're electric they were having trouble with setting up the fares system and what they realized when uh, an investigation was done is that it cost more money to collect the fares than the city was gaining from the fares. And you might say, is that really possible? Yes, it is. And it's actually shockingly common in a lot of cities. Not every city, but in a lot of cities, your fares may not really be paying any anything. Um, and in our case, like I say, so you have these terminals uh, uh, that are electronic that you put money into or you swipe your card over them or whatever. Um, those things cost money to operate, right? Those terminals, they're not cheap to operate whatsoever. Then you need like accountants to keep track of the fares coming in and stuff like that. You need spreadsheets. You need all these different things, right? All of the money that went into that stuff cost way more than we were making in fares. So what'd they do? They made the buses free. And what has been the result of that? Well, uh, uh, before the program, most bus passengers, around 90%, reported that they could not always afford the bus. Think about that. Like, 90% yeah. of people riding the bus were reporting that, like, there was one day out of the month where they didn't have the money for the bus. Um, that's an incredible hardship for a person living below the poverty line. That's not even, like, a, a huge pull. That's not even surprising. When you think about what is the wages in New Mexico, what are the wages in Atlanta? And then you just do math because there's so much commerce. You've got to go and come back. That's one day. That's at minimum. And if you have a job where you've got to go two or three places, that's even more. And then on top of that, uh, you've got to do it five days a week, four weeks a month. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you look at what it costs to consistently ride a month and it's like, oh, wow, I'm spending one hundred and fifty dollars 
just on getting to where I've got to go. And think when you think of all of the commerce that's going to come from a person being able to get to their job on time, uh, this is another thing where there's a basic expense that, I mean, so many of these public transportation systems in cities depend on federal grants or they depend on federal funding because they're underwater. Uh, even the Atlanta uh, system is uh, kind of underwater. Uh, having that is, uh, it costs a bunch of money. It's really yeah. not a shock at all that it's in the red. Uh, and you see this with libraries too, uh, that, hey, it costs more money to charge late late fees for these things than it costs to actually run the library. Yeah, just replace system, the books that periodically. enforcement costs more than enforcing it does. Yep. That happens all the time across bureaucracies. And we see this in New York City right now with the billions, literally billions of dollars going to fair enforcement in the subway. And it's just, it barely matches up with the fares being collected. It doesn't really make sense. NYC's subway system is currently dependent on a federal grant to keep their uh, budget balanced for the next five years. That's not an actually sustainable system. Albuquerque's public transit system is more sustainable without collecting fares. Um, that's pretty wild to think about. Uh, and again, it's part in part because you don't need cops roaming around busting fair jumpers if there's no fair um and that can cost a lot of money um so uh richmond virginia and olympia washington are two other cities that have been piloting uh uh fair free bus programs but albuquerque is the largest city to have done so um and all the buses in the city are free and they're actually talking about expanding bus routes for the first times in years because people are riding the buses a lot now. <laughs> oh, you're muted. Whoops. So uh, do you, like one of those people that, uh, I, I remember listening to talk radio in the 2000s and they were like, one of the reasons we can't make healthcare free is because, boy, once you get a taste of that healthcare, <laughs> uh, you're just gonna be, just talking to doctors all the time about every ache and pain that you have. Do you ever have days where you're like, hey, I want to go somewhere. I'll just take the bus. I just feel like it. Have you abused or been frivolous with your, your free bus privileges in Albuquerque? I wouldn't say I've been frivolous. I would say I ride the bus about the same amount as I always did. I always would ride it some. Um, uh, throughout the years, I've ridden the bus off and on. Uh, just... You know, uh, a lot of times, like, for instance, just if I wanted to go to events near the university, I used to park by my friend's house and take the bus because parking around the university sucks. And a 10 minute bus ride is way shorter than 25 minutes of looking for parking, <laughs> um, which is not unrealistic in the city. Sometimes, you know how that goes. Uh, uh and you know other things like that and also just out of necessity at times i haven't always had a running car here in the city um as you know brandon my car struggles have been up and down over the years um Your car and... has a digestive system too <laughs> my tummy don't feel so good today oh no yeah it's been like that um uh so uh you know just for practical purposes i've ridden the bus off and on to some extent um and so uh, I would say I'm riding the bus about the same amount as always, really. Uh, I would not say I'm being particularly frivolous with it. I would say uh, uh, sometimes 
uh, I definitely take up the extra convenience now a little more than I used to, especially like uh, I think one one thing that I've noticed is a lot of times if I want to go to a concert now, I just take the bus from my house because why not? You know, it's great for events. It's great for a community. It's great for a culture building. So what was but it's also good for people that are struggling to get by. Um, I have a, a family member that just moved to the city recently. Uh, they are struggling financially. Um, and uh, when they got here and realized that uh, the buses were free and that they could get an affordable train pass to go to other cities um, and stuff like that, they were like, OK, I've never experienced anything like this. What the heck? This is great. <laughs> You can you can apply to jobs, you can have meetings, you can go network and attend events. You just have a lot of extra freedom. Uh, so how did this pilot become more permanent? Has it had to go on trial? Were there city council meetings? Talk about just what was the process of keeping this thing once you got it? Yeah, I do want to talk about that a little bit just because, you know, sometimes they try to take nice things away from you and you have to be willing to, to fight a little bit over that. Um, and uh, it didn't get too intense. There weren't like brawls at city council meetings. <laughs> but um, there was talk, uh, especially before the most recent city council election, um, uh, of should we go back to charging fares for some buses? some of the city councilors were pushing for it and it was very blatantly an anti-homeless thing. Like it was pretty disgusting, honestly, uh, uh, because like literally these city councilors were like, I don't want to see homeless people on the, like that's basically what they were saying. <laughs> like, I don't want to see homeless people on the bus all the time. And it's like, if a homeless person wants to ride the bus all day, instead of being out in the elements, maybe we should just allow that. Like what's the big freaking deal that it's, it's not it's not overwhelming the buses or anything like it's not like the buses are overcrowded because of this. It's just that you will see homeless people on the bus. And uh, for some people, that is very upsetting experience because they are soft people. I don't know what else to say. They are weak, weak people with weak minds and weak hearts. And uh, because they have weak minds and weak hearts, they see a homeless person and they go, oh no icky or whatever and it freaks them out and it ruins their whole day they've put their entire life into imagining what their property values are and, <laughs> and they see a homeless person there's an imaginary number in their head that goes downwards and it sends them into just a panic of spiraling distress yeah it's pretty wild so a couple of the more conservative city council members they made a big stink about homeless people overusing the bus and tried to convince us that we didn't want free buses as a result. Um, but the people were pretty clear that in fact, we will fight you for these buses. <laughs> uh, it's, so, hard, it's hard to win a popularity contest, taking away free rides. Uh, it's just rule one in America, everybody loves a free ride, whether it's free food, a free bus, whatever. And of course, you know, it's it's tax money. Uh, and in this case, again, the system runs at a deficit when you put in this, this infrastructure and bureaucracy of collecting the fares. Yeah, so again, so this program started in 2020 uh, and then in uh, uh, 2022, 
It was voted again to uh, continue and expand the program, at which point all buses became free in the city, because before that it was just some. Um, so in 2022, it became all buses. In 2023, they voted to continue the, the program um, initially, but then there was some talk of, uh, well, the program's supposed to run out at the end of this year, the homeless people, all that. So of course, um, the city, uh, the foot by which I mean the people, the actual people of the city, so the real city, came together. We wrote letters, we made phone calls, people went to the city council meetings, both virtually and in person, and in large numbers, and we made it clear that, uh-uh, no. We sent thousands. I bet city council, Albuquerque City Council has never gotten this many emails for anything, ever. I'm serious. We sent thousands of emails. We really made it clear that, you know, we weren't going to stand for that. The taxpayers, we are paying just a little bit more of our city taxes towards the bus. Who cares? That's, I would rather the money go towards that than other things, right? Um, uh, and so in November here, just recently, uh, city council voted to make zero fares permanent uh, after much contention. Um, and that was with the support of the mayor and a lot of other folks coming together and just saying, hey, folks, we just have to, we just have to continue this program. Um, and it's in part because, listen, the, the mayor doesn't want to lose this program. It makes us look really good. It's a, it's a leading program. We're showing the country that there's another way to do this, and we're, we're seeing success from it. Um, it's improving uh, the, the lives of folks that are financially struggling. It's improving the lives of everybody across the city. And it's uh, just, in general, causing a lot of good things to happen. Less drunk driving, fewer absences at work across the board in the city you know when you make the buses free it's like if somebody's car breaks down but they know the bus is free well you know it's less of a hassle now right <laughs> if if you're if you're a boss and you're in albuquerque and someone doesn't show up to work on time you just fold your arms and you're like sir the bus is free there's no way you woke up late i guess the bus can still go through traffic but it's like there's only going to be so much traffic let's face it um I have an article uh, from the New Internationalist, and it talks about bus fares in other countries. And when you take your wonderful no-cost experience and compare it to what's going on in Glasgow, uh, uh, Conrad Landon wrote this piece uh, a week ago for the New Internationalist. And uh, this is a fare that is $3.40. And one of the problems that are talked about in public transportation is the first mile problem, which is, uh, and this is just in transportation all the time, your house is not directly on a bus line and it's probably not directly on a train line and it's not directly at your preferred destination. Uh, so the cost of transporting your physical body from uh, you know one place to the other for just that mile to even get to that connecting point can be a big and expensive problem. So that can be just a long walk and then another train ride and then another bus. And now you're, you're doing transferring and stuff like that. And even it just, it, it adds up over time. Um, so this says that, uh, you know, just a few percent 
of urban areas around the world have the kind of access to public transportation that we have. Uh, and they know that, you know, when you're planning a route and you want to keep it in the green and not make it cost more money than it costs to administer, the routes are only in certain areas. And these are routes that they know are going to generate income. And if you live in a lower income area, you're going to get fewer buses and trains or you're going to get less or none at all. Um, and it's not always an election issue because the people who are relying the most on public transportation are the people who live uh, and have to really do that in order to get to their job. These are the people who are usually disengaged when it comes to voting. Correct. Um, so uh, this has got uh, minimum frequency standards in Switzerland, which means that you have just a right to get a certain amount of buses that are in your area. Uh, also in uh, Zurich, uh, there's just a guarantee that you're going to have a bus that comes by your small village at least once a day. And in really small places, there's going to be at least four that go out. I know that you guys, you guys have a, a, a rail system that goes to other towns, which is kind mm -hmm. of impressive. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys connect to other cities and, and how much sprawl is there in Albuquerque to give people an idea of how far out do these buses go and how does that run? Albuquerque doesn't have a ton of sprawl compared to other big cities that I've lived in, but it is, there are some sprawling parts of it. There are some parts that the buses don't service as well as they could. That's something that they're actually working on right now. Um, and uh, they sent out a really nice survey actually with maps and stuff where you could be like, here's areas where I think we need buses and stuff like that. Um, and uh, uh, I participated in that as did everyone that I know. Um, and, uh, so there is an attempt to fix that, but overall the buses do reach a lot of, uh, different places. Um, the white flight suburb of Rio Rancho is probably the most, uh, decrepit bus wise, as you can imagine. Uh, it is, it, it is like the epitome of suburban, useless suburban sprawl. I don't know if Rio Rancho will ever have adequate buses because, uh, the people up there, are definitely the scared of the homeless type. Um, so uh, I would I would bet that your city council reps that are floating this are from that are repping that area of the city. Uh, well, I actually, Rio Rancho is its own city. That's why they're. That's why they're. That's why they're. You know how that goes when you let the white flight sub suburban neighborhood run itself. Bad news. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We. we <laughs> Definitely have that in Atlanta. We have multiple blocks inside the city that want to secede. Uh, you know uh, that that part of town is always looking to rise again. If you live in a Johns Creek, Buckhead has been trying to leave Atlanta for a while. Um, but but I want to go back and talk about uh, transportation from the perspective of it's not just an issue of convenience. Uh, for people who work there, but obviously, and this almost goes without saying, it's an environmental issue too, because mm -hmm. if the bus service sucks and you have to take a car, then it has an impact on air quality. It has an impact on pollution. It has just an impact on just how nice it is for your city to be the city that it yeah, is. Yeah, so you had asked about the trains. I want to really quickly say, you know, we've got a train here, a light rail that runs from Santa Fe to Belen currently. 
uh, it really needs to be expanded and have further reach, which is a whole thing that hopefully we can start to push on them more uh, in the next couple of years. The state legislature might uh, uh, finally move on that because originally this train was supposed to run from Denver to El Paso. Can you fucking imagine? I know that doesn't mean much to you because you're you live on the other side of the Mississippi. I know the but, between Denver and El Paso. Yeah, yeah that's pretty big. Um, so, uh, so, you know, this is an area where we still need to push on them to provide more, but this train does provide access to folks, um, so that they can potentially, you know, work in the city and live in a town 30 minutes outside of the city. And it's not a, uh, such an unreasonable burden to have to go through that process all the time. Um, another thing that's really neat about this is that some of the other towns on the train route are starting to follow in the example of fare free buses. And so in Valencia County, which is Belen and Los Lunas here, this won't mean much to anyone, but just these are small, smallish towns um, that, you know, are hard to service with a regular bus. They have a on demand bus program. It's like Uber. You order your bus at least a day in advance. You say where and when you want to be picked up. And it'll do it. And guess what? It's free. It's free. Uh, because again, these other towns on the train line, they're starting to follow our example. So there's this very affordable train passing between these cities. You can get a monthly pass for in the 20 to $30 range, depending on different factors, um, and uh, ride the train as much as you want. And then wherever you get off, there's a really good chance the buses are free now. Yeah, we have a we have a system that's a little like that that we've piloted uh, called Marta Mobility, and uh, this is really uh, specialized for the aging population in Atlanta, uh, not Asian aging, and uh, you know they'll if you call in advance, uh, they'll send like a, a short bus to to go and pick you up, which again is a way to to put a dent into that that first mile problem of how do I get from my house to a station to even take advantage of transportation? So uh, listen, if you're down, I'd love to talk about the other countries that are working on this problem. Yeah. Maybe less effective ways. Uh, there's the world's ugliest lawn contest in Australia. Uh, and this is just, uh, you know, the initiative is kind of designed to change our perception of lawn care uh you know lawns take a lot of of water to run and it has a lot of impact on the environment and so uh you know if you're in that white flight suburb you notice that the lawns are all very green they're keeping up the property prices even if there's a desert uh, uh at least in atlanta i don't know you're you're how how are the lawns in albuquerque when you leave and you start going to the suburbs? I mean, it, it varies. A lot of people don't do traditional lawns here because the water is just not really uh, supporting the vet in general. But there are, of course, the knuckleheads in the suburbs who just have to have their lawn. Uh, and uh, this whole ugly lawn thing, it's it's a little annoying to me because it feels like people are patting themselves on the back for just taking the path of least resistance. Basically uh, we need to be rewilding our lawns, not simply just letting them die. 
we need to be planting the sort of stuff that belongs in your local environment in your lawn. Um, and uh, I guess that's some of the theory here, but it also just it, it feels just a little bit like they're doing like seven tenths of it, but not connecting the final few dots that would really make this into a more important program because like, you know, we need to provide habitats to wild pollinators before all our pollinators die and then our food system collapses, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, Encouraging people to, to find out what planting is climate appropriate for them, uh, finding out what can grow in your area that's native to the place that you are and finding ways to plant. And of course, stuff like gardening, you know, you can take that that backyard and put some tomatoes or potatoes or whatever grows where you're at uh, is obviously like a thing that you can be doing. And um, um, there's no reason not to think of that as potentially beautiful. Uh, you know, a, a popular alternative to traditional lawns here in New Mexico is something called xeriscaping, which is using lots of cactus, uh, lots of gravel and uh, other plants that are, 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 are comfortable growing in this environment. It's very, it looks nice and it's appropriate to the environment and it keeps native plant species uh, in your local area. This like, like I, I like the overall concept of what these people are doing, but this sort of like leaning into like, yeah, my lawn's ugly as shit. I really think is an unnecessary angle. <laughs> The, the yeah this is Gotland in Sweden and uh yeah they're uh you know they're fighting the the battle for aesthetics and what what be proud of your lawn even if it's dry um and as Murasaki says it, it's easy to find out what's drought resistant you can still have a lawn that fits you without a huge problem uh while while I'm sitting here I'd also like to talk about, uh, and this is semi-related, uh, it's in the world of housing. Uh, if you live in Atlanta, uh, you know that that, that Peachtree Tower uh, at 2 Peachtree Street has just been sitting there for a while. There's new development there, uh, and they're going to take that huge office skyscraper to Peachtree Street and hopefully build some affordable housing. You know that that area of town uh, and lots of downtowns have this area that's a little like a ghost town. There was this really elaborate, um, you know, building and construction during the 90s or the mm -hmm. early 2000s. And it just wasn't sustainable. And so you have areas in downtown that just aren't being used. I would bet everybody uh, that lives in a metro area, uh, you know a little bit of what that is. Uh, and, you know, here downtown, we have Woodruff Park, where there's just uh, work done every Saturday, helping feed the homeless and do community service. And Five Point Station, which uh, we can use the word piss, just smells like piss all the time. <laughs> Everybody, if you have a downtown, you have just that one block that smells like piss. You bring in some people, uh, you bring in some local business some retail space and suddenly and you know uh it, it smells slightly less like piss because there's people there <laughs> now of course it goes without saying 
another thing that happens in Atlanta is CG renderings of projects that don't get finished. Uh, so this is this is another thing that goes in the CG rendering file, and we have to see how it goes in the uh, months and the years to come. But uh, no, it's it's something, and it's it's the kind of development uh, that I think people would like to see more of in town. Yeah. Uh, I have one more story that's very interesting to me. Okay, let's uh, do one more story. It's it's maybe not the most important thing that's happening in the world. It's kind of an interesting transition. But I saw this story of this guy that fell in a hole. Because <laughs> I was hoping it was the whole guy. <laughs> this, this guy, uh, Joao Pimenta da Silva, uh, got a vision that he should find gold underneath his house. And this guy was in his seventies and uh, this happened a year ago. He had the dream a year ago and he spent the whole year digging. And when he got tired of digging, he started to, to uncork his savings and he's paying people in the neighborhood and he's paying workers. And I don't, I don't know if he's having multiple dreams, you know, I feel like if a spirit came to me in a dream and told me to just start digging and I and I really went and dug for like even a week, I'd be like, all right, spirits, you've got to give me some motivation and tell me to keep digging. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That gold's still there. Keep going, buddy. He had one dream and it was strong enough that he ignored his neighbors, who I'm sure talked to him about power talk to him about you better boy that dream better have told you about the water main or you're gonna your old butt's <laughs> gonna get kicked uh um, but somehow i mean the 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 people who investigated the tunnel reported that it was pretty expertly dug actually <laughs> this these are and you can see it if you're watching uh this is a 12 story deep tunnel and it is bored it is dug and it is pretty smooth uh, it is a deep, deep hole. The only problem is that the guy fell down the hole and died. Um, he's he's trying to to get the mud and the water out of the hole, and uh, he fell. Which, of course, the loss of human life is a tragedy. But also, what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? Without I really think I don't think before. I... Testing. I think way no before I would get in Brazil. It's a country of daredevils. This guy's 70. You know what 70 year olds in America are doing? Keeping people off the bus. Uh, this guy <laughs> is going on on extreme adventures. Yeah, I mean, respect in some ways. Um, respect in some ways. Uh, but also, I think before I got to 130 feet, I would say, okay, I don't think the dream was real. I think there's. I think I think I think at like twenty feet, I would be like, okay, I'm 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 probably done. I'm probably done with this. Like, I went twenty feet down. I didn't find gold. The dream uh, was probably not real. Yeah, <laughs> at some point, and this is a valuable lesson to anyone watching: work for your dreams, dig for your dreams, do what it takes. But once you get twenty feet deep. <laughs> Stop digging. <laughs> there, it's never shameful to give up. You don't want to be a people segment. say stuff like, "Don't let your dreams die. Let some dreams die. Let some I, dreams die." 
<laughs> I, I think that's just a valuable lesson. Let some dreams die. You don't want to be a, a, a head palm emoji on an internet talk show. Yeah. Uh, let, let the dream go. But um, if you have a creative project that you're working on, you don't have to dig for gold. Uh, you can work with us. You can go to ghostcoast.video slash network. Um, and this is just your way. You know, we did these shows for a long time and we made so many great connections. Uh, and since we have a company now that does creative production, I mean, you are in the planning stages of an audio drama. Uh, our friend Julius is working on a film. Uh, I've got uh, the podcast network and new stuff's coming out there all the time. Not to mention, uh, you know, this, this in-person show uh, uh, at the Little Five Point Center. Uh, there's so many cool things that we're just going to be able to share with you as the year clicks on. We just think that it's just a great idea for you to sign on here uh, and just keep in touch with the work that we're doing and keep us in touch with the work that you're doing. Uh, this form is pretty simple. You put in your name, uh, your email, uh, some of your skills. What are you good at? What do you want to do more of? And uh, just the time that it's good to contact you. We send emails, but also you never know. We just might show up in your inbox and talk to you. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's, we love having calls to action. We have just, we're action takers and we're, you can join a community that, that inspires action over here uh, at Ghost Coast Video. That's right. Uh, I think that's it. That's I it. Got Brandon, you know there. what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, bye bye. <laughs>